0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Pollock, Cybersecurity Attorney at Niles Barton and Wilmer. Pleased to have you back on pleased to have you back as a listener. There we go. Once again, we're always getting great questions, comments, discussion points. Keep them coming. Call me at 443 381 3586 or email me at SS Pollock. That's P as in Paul. O L-L-O-C-K at Nilesbarton.com. Very excited today because we've got Austin Morris Jr. from Morris Risk Management LLC on to chat about some uh, interesting and pertinent topics. Austin, how are you doing?
1: Very well today, Spencer.
0: And thank you for, uh, for joining the show. Um, let's jump right into it. Can you kind of tell the audience what uh, some of your general thoughts and concerns are about the emerging trends
1: with cybersecurity? Certainly. Spencer, there's a lot going on, as anybody related to Spencer. cybersecurity knows, and many companies and organizations are impacted on a daily, if not weekly, basis. But some of the big picture things that are concerning, which lead to um, some potential outcomes down the road, are is that we've had a lot of technology as moved from centralized to decentralized. So there's, a, there's less institutional first hand control over a lot of the technologies we use. Another thing that's interesting is that a lot of organizations' sensitive data has been migrating to more than one cloud provider. So it's not just on one cloud system or platform, it's actually on several, that makes it interesting. And there's a lot of security considerations that are often overlooked as we race to adopt technologies, create technologies and use technologies. Uh, Often we are too focused on the end user experience and that may mean the security takes a back seat. Security is often seen as an inhibitor and That's not fair because security is really to me a key fundamental part of building a good software or technology. And the idea that security by design is sometimes overlooked should not be happening. But it's really critical that we start thinking that way more often. And there's a major misuse of privileged accounts. A lot of companies give out privileged accounts and privileged authorizations to way too many people within their community, and that causes vulnerabilities. And that can sometimes lead to the intersection where poor user practices in many cases have paved the way for very successful cyber attacks. You know, getting cybersecurity right is not, is a difficult undertaking. It's never easy and it's complicated. Really recommend a holistic approach, but something that every organization should be putting on the top of their list to do and be committed to it from the top levels of the organization all the way through the entire workforce. I think that budget and organizational focus are often some of the top challenges pre-cyber events. So you deal with cyber events, but if organizations had prepared the budget and really focused, it's not just about money, but focused on doing the right things and building strategic plans, having a a resiliency built into their systems, their processes, their training, their people, that'll help them better respond to a cyber event. I wanna point out that they have a really tough adversary. Hackers are continually And that also includes bigger problems like nation states, finding new ways to infiltrate systems. And they're increasing the frequency and the severity of their attacks, severity of their attacks. It's a dangerous situation. All that together puts a lot of organizations in peril. Spencer, what's your next question?
0: Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points there, Austin, too, especially about the holistic approach and kind of the insidious actors that we're dealing with, which leads to the second question. Can you kind of address what are some scary possibilities or things out there with the cyber market, you know, on the global perspective as well?
1: I'd be glad to. Well, one of the key things we do at Morris Risk Management is provide a great variety of insurance coverages from a array of leading carriers nationally and globally. And I think that from the cyber side of this, some of the really scary possibilities that could test the cyber markets going forward would be a few of the following things. One is a global malware outbreak or even a major regional malware outbreak. Think how many companies and organizations would be affected. They'd all have downtime. They would be losing revenue. They would be needing forensic help and other services, legal services related to their cyber policies. So many pieces of that, notifications and dealing with fixing the problem, restoring the organization to its operating self again. That's a major one. Another one would be, I think this is a growing pearl going forward, would be attacks causing physical damage and bodily harm. That's a real concern. Well, In the past, a lot of organizations thought, well, that really is not that likely. Will we really have damage to a system that hurts people? Will we really have bodily harm out of this? But I think the answer is yes. The answer will be yes. And we're not even talking about just a state-sponsored attack. Let's look at what happened. Just the last month in Florida, there was an attack by an actor that I'm not aware of who they are yet, but I'm sure our government's investigating, thinking it's domestic. And there was a attack on a Florida water treatment plant where the attacker intended to release high levels of lye into the system, into the water system, which would certainly sicken or potentially kill some people in that community. So... We're not even gonna talk about a state sponsored attack, just even the attacks that are out there and a lot of times organizations who are criminal oriented will sell and share capabilities. And we're seeing that there's a big new automation, growing automation in their attacks. In the past it would be targeted or maybe it was just kind of scatter shooting and hit a couple, but now they can automate. And some of the recent news stories talk about how they've scooped up tens of thousands of new victims by automating their attacks. And how that relates to cyber insurance Answer is that cyber insurance is an essential part of risk management and a holistic cyber risk management plan. And you can't, there's a couple of things you can't cover, so I want to put that up front. You really can't cover in a cyber situation or cyber policy your missed growth. So if you didn't grow because of a cyber event, you wouldn't cover that. And you wouldn't cover decreased valuation if your company's publicly traded. And you really wouldn't be able to cover the increased cost of capital. Those are all said, but there's many, many, many core parts of cyber policies from leading carriers, high quality policies that get the job done and restore companies and organizations in ways that they could not have done themselves and much faster than they ever could have. What's this all mean for bodily injury and property damage in the, sh- in the cyber insurance world and cyber insurance policies? This policy coverage, which is property damage or bodily injury can be purchased if it's added to some cyber policies, you'd have to talk to the broker and the carrier to see if they will. But that is possibly a, carry, a coverage in some of the policies. And there's an increased risk for almost everybody because of the growth and the internet of things. We're so much more connected right now. There's many more connected objects. There are pieces of medical equipment that are connected in ways we don't understand. There's people, things in people's homes that are connected. There are systems that are connected. And often they're not connected with security in mind, or sometimes there's not even a possibility of updating the system because they don't have that ability. So what's happening is cyber events will cause and can cause physical harm, I think in an increasing amount in the future. Hospitals could be attacked. We could turn off some of the equipment in the hospital, which certainly would affect the patients who are depending upon that equipment. we turned off dialysis equipment. We didn't do it, but somebody did it. Suppose we change the data or change the computer system so that the data said this individual patient needs this treatment or needs this medicine, but we changed that. That would certainly cause physical harm or even bodily bodily injury and possibly even death. And going back to that Florida example, real-life example, not hypothetical, that would have caused a lot of problems had that been successful. Luckily, they caught it. You know, back in 2015 and 16, Spencer, there was the Russian attack on the Ukraine where they actually targeted using the non-Petya the Ukrainian electrical systems. And I believe that there'll be geopolitical reasons why there are cyber attacks that that touch bodily and physical, cause bodily and physical physical harm. And I believe that we need to develop a better resilience nationally as a national security issue, and certainly by organizations and states and communities to cyber attacks. And I think we need to really understand that there's no long-term easy solution, scope of cyber, policies will broaden, cyber insurance policies will broaden, as I said, but we need to continually look at this and say, what do we do to make the organization better able to survive in conjunction with the, the services brought by the cyber policy? And I'm going to point out that no country, including ours, has a cyber insurance backstop. So this is still an emerging area of insurance and the adversary's technological capabilities rise and cyber threats are getting worse, as I said. Than the ability to effectively combat it right now. So I don't see that as a negative. I think that the organizations who take this seriously have the proper insurance, have the proper plans, have the proper strategies, have the proper training, have the proper organizational commitment, there's many subcategories below each of them, will be the ones who are best able to deal with future challenges to their operating ability. And the last thing I want to say in this category is that I'm envisioning that there'll be a lot more increases in, att- in attacks against industrial control systems that could generate major losses for insurance companies and for insurance. You know, previously people thought that this risk was unlikely to happen because a lot of these pearls were considered to be, you know, well, this is a non-physical loss for insurance. This is actually a loss tied to data and other information. But because of increases in automation and sophistication of threats, I believe we're going to see considerable increases in attacks on industrial control systems, which affect almost every level of our life, both business and privately. So hopefully that's been helpful. And Spencer, what questions do you have now? Because I really appreciate the chance to talk about these important topics.
0: Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points. And I don't think, I think the physical injury aspect is definitely underrepresented. And, you know, even for someone who talks about this a lot on my end, there's a lot of scary potentials there. Um, You know, because you have talked about a lot of kind of different avenues, what kind of, and I, I think, or I know that you're the president of a, Infregard chapter in Philadelphia. So correct me if I'm wrong about that. But can you discuss maybe some resources that people can access and go to with these with these issues?
1: Absolutely, Spencer. Thanks for that because I really think that people want to learn. They want to know what they can do, and some will some and hopefully many more than some will take action. Um, InfraGuard is one of the resources. Uh, I think that people can talk to their attorney to get great advice on what they can do. I think they can talk to their insurance broker to get advice. I think they can talk to their technological communities. They think they can talk to other executives and other leaders who are concerned and have knowledge about cybersecurity and cyber risk. But I wanna point out InfraGuard is one of the real foundations in this country to help organizations understand what their vulnerabilities are and help to protect themselves. It was established in 1995 by the FBI. Federal Bureau of Investigations, and it's the oldest and largest public-private partnership that the FBI has. And it's very important that they're looking to, what they want you to know is they're looking to establish relationships in advance. This is a two-way street. The FBI shares a good bit of information about attacks and vulnerabilities and what's happening related to our infrastructure. And there are a number of critical infrastructure sectors. I won't go through of all of them right now, but they're all listed on the website. The website is W-W-W-I-N-F-R-A-G-A-R-D, there's no U, .org, InfraGuard.org. So what happened was the FBI understands that cyber touches everything. Every single division that the FBI has, I do not work for the FBI, is touched by cyber in one way or the other. And about 80% of the infrastructure in our country is held in private hands. It's not in the government's hands, it's actually in the private hands. That's surprising, but it's a true number. So what the FBI has understood for 25 years now is that to have this ability to improve our ability to protect our nation, protect our communities from these potential vulnerabilities to our critical infrastructures, and that includes healthcare and communication systems and financial systems and technological systems, educational systems, they're all on the website. They'll show the critical infrastructures. The FBI has asked certain people to join, and you can go to the website and find out who they're looking for, and then to be part of the community to share information about what's happening, what can we do to better protect systems, and how do we actually work together? Because the FBI understands that the best way to do this is to have relationships in advance. They will come to companies and speak to them. They'll share information. I find to be a really, really worthwhile activity that our government does through the FBI. I find that the FBI agents who come to the meetings and are involved are fully committed to what this work involves, which is protecting American infrastructure and and our our communities and our economic systems and our way of life. All that feeds back to a more stable nation. And um, they really are doing a great job in this one particular partnership. So I hope that people are interested. We'll use this as a resource. Other than that, there's plenty of other ones. I'd be happy to answer questions in the future, but I think right now it would close with InfraGuard being a great way to get started at W-W-W-I-N-F-R-A-G-A-R-D. And Spencer, it's been a pleasure talking with you because these topics are of such great interest to me and I know to you also.
0: Yeah, and Austin, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm sure that the listeners are going to really love this episode and because you got a lot of good information. Um, obviously, call us, email us with any questions. Uh, discussion points, four four three three eight one three five eight six. 381 3586 Email sspollock at nilesbarton.com. Once again, Austin, thank you so much. And to the listeners, we'll see you on the next one.